So, actress, um, I believe you sing too. Do you sing? Uh, in the shower. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's it. <laughs> in the car. Yeah. And you are also a director. Why don't you tell us a, just a little bit about? Uh, we'll go further into the show that you're directing. It's, and it's just a reading. Is that is that right? Yes, it's a stage reading at Town Hall Theater in Lafayette. Right, where Susan Evans. Uh, Susan she, Evans. Yeah. That's right. She's she is director. Our director, and she's been on the show too. Um, well, before we get into that, Norman, how, how's your week? It's a quiet week. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crazy weekend, but it's a quiet yeah. week. I want to ask about Othello, if it's okay to ask about that. I yeah. haven't heard anything, and oh, I didn't follow up. Okay. You know, I've got, um, got a reading that I was trying to put together for yeah. next month. Was this Livermore? not happening. Is this Livermore Shakes? Livermore Shakes. You're waiting to hear back? At this point, I'm assuming that they got The only reason I ask is Cynthia also. Oh yeah! Oh. oh yeah! I'm waiting to hear some more details. <laughs> I, got, no, I haven't heard anything. I got a wee sniff of something that they offered me a little piece, and I'm waiting for them to see if they fill that up with anything. Oh. Yeah, no, they um, they said we said no to a bunch of people. We haven't said no to you yet, but we're still figuring it out. And I'm like, oh, oh man, come on, y'all. Maybe you're right where I am. <laughs> well, the other thing they said was, and you're, you know, and we're trying to balance the equity contracts. I'm like, oh. Y'all just told me you had hiring me. That's that's what you just told me. Are you happy? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. They only have usually uh, four contracts a year, Mm -hmm. uh, guest contracts, and then I was production manager there for three years, so I'm pretty savvy. I've worked with them for ten years. Mm -hmm. Um, They get four contracts a year generally. Mm -hmm. Last year, I think they actually took one of the acting ones and went with a stage manager equity contract as a flip that year. I don't know Mm -hmm. um, why or what, but... So I, I don't know the intimates, but I, it's, I know it's things are at happening. At that time where I should really go, hey, what's up? But I've got an audition today, and and I'm working on a videotape audition. Aye, aye. Yeah, we've talked about the videotape auditions. I'm still out of the – I still like the one-on-one contact. I prefer – and then we did one yeah. uh, a couple of nights ago. We did one. My son walks down, and he sees it, and he's like, oh – they're going to know that you guys don't know anything about doing this. Look at that screen. See that screen? All computer screens are in that configuration. Mm-hmm. If you do the vertical, if you do a vertical video okay. and it's going to come on there. Oh, like, oh yeah. Know they know what you're doing. But you know what I do for video submissions is I just go Google other people's video submissions. Mm-hmm. Oh, to look and see what they do? Oh, that's that because sometimes they come up on YouTube. I found one that went into Shakespeare Santa Cruz, a director I worked with years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was curious. I'm like, oh, yeah, what did your video submission look like? Mm-hmm. And I watched it. It was great. It was interesting. to see, And he got cast that year. He's phenomenal. And I was very interested to see. I, you know, well, yeah. I like what I did. It's The sound isn't spot on. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it's you, you send me sides and ask me to get you something in a week. So this is what you get. I'm, I'm not spending any money on this. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I think that's – it didn't look like his was high-tech developed mm-hmm. something or other by some pro, no? No, and then I did the piece, and I liked I liked the one I did. So I'm supposed to do a second one. Oh, hopefully I'll get that done before tomorrow. Wonderful. 
Yeah. Um, the only current event that I have is the, you heard about the MAGA kids, oh, I'm calling them MAGA kids, these are the kids who yes. were at the, um, the Lincoln Memorial, Arlington Catholic, Catholic High School. Not only that, but there's another video that, that surfaced where they were at a basketball game mocking black, opposing basketball right. players. I, I'd seen that earlier in, in the year when it came out, you know? Yeah. Really, really horrible. So, you know, for anyone who's like, well, you know, they're just kids, and I don't, I don't know. It's strange know. times. There's strange times happening to I, I'm not cutting them any slack. No slack. Yeah. I tell you my opinion. My opinion is, is the context of that moment. Yeah. I felt like uh, the kid that they focused on, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I felt like in that moment... He did not make an aggressive gesture. He did he not. Didn't. He did not respond back. And I, I did feel like when I first watched it that that gentleman got really into his face. Yeah, in his face yeah. And I thought, mm-hmm. I thought, well, I have no doubt that I'm, I'm not fond of his the kid's expression, and I didn't like that. I thought, but you know what? He did just hold still, and he didn't make anything worse. And I thought. For me, in that moment, I'm like, well, maybe that's the best he could do. I don't know what else he could have done. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like everything else. Around. I didn't like all his friends. And my son and I right. got into a big fight over it because, yeah. of course, I felt like it was. How old are your kids, Cynthia? My son is 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he broke my heart this year at registering Republican. So mm-hmm. he and I go at odds over a lot of things. Mm-hmm. But um, I tried. And so yeah, uh, we, yeah. we do debate it and, and a lot of stuff. And, and I told him, I said, listen, at this point in time, if you're associated with people who are willing to wear this emblem, then they are advertising what they support. Yeah. And I said, so we're going to make assumptions now based on that. And I said, and people are going to react differently to that. And I said, if you don't want to be affiliated with that and that reaction, you can't, you can't support it. I said, so we go into a big debate. If you're going to support it, I mean, if you're going to wear it and decide that you're different than them, just know that you're inviting all these conversations. You're inviting it. And I said, and if you, I mean, like, so when we argue about him joining the Republican Party, he said, I don't agree with where they are now. I just agree with their basic principles. I want to work to get it back to the fiscal conservative and whatever. And I said, that's great. So if you want to support that, yeah, I said, it'd be nice. I said, rational thought would be great. I said, I said, um, but you need to understand that. If you only support a piece of it, go support that piece of it with a different emblem. He doesn't own that kind of crap, so yeah. Yeah. I'm not a complete failure, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. No, we've talked so about we've that. Talked I mentioned that, you know, there are moderate Republicans. You know, this right. has been, this whole period has been about the extreme, extreme Democrats, mm-hmm. extreme progressives, extreme yeah. Republicans, and moderate thinking. I mean, you know, if you are into, you know, let's say just anti-regulation, and controlling spending, mm-hmm. that's fine. I mean, right. I'm, I'm, I'm of a different cloth. I believe, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, we need to don't wipe out the welfare state, but, you know, right. try to control it, that sort of stuff. But the extremism, regulate, yeah, yeah right. regulate, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, the extremism is tough, and it's got to be tough as a parent because you think, well, politics is outside of the family. But all of a sudden, you know, these issues creep in. Way. Yeah, <laughs> I hear well, you. Well, that's when Trump, um, when Trump had his little speech, um, my son came bursting into the bedroom. And we don't normally spend, he's my stepson, we don't normally spend a lot of time talking. He's like, did you watch? And I was like, no. Well, tell me about it. And so he starts, we got into a nice discussion until he got to, I mean, but we do need a wall. And I was like, we we have a wall and fencing, and the issue really is policy, not what's going on at the border. Come on. And the immigration's gone down over the last yeah. few years, so yeah. I'm not surprised anyone shows up these days to want to come in, really. But well, that's how bad things are. That's how elsewhere. bad things are elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, 
I'm sure. I'm, I'm not sure if you guys had a hard time getting here because there was a Kamala rally. I think it's her first rally. It just a few minutes ago. No, I'm getting messages from my yeah. wife. She's yeah. sending me little. Oh, um, what did she do? She just quoted Bob Marley. And I'm like, wow. Is she here? Is Kamala Harris here? Yeah. She's downtown Oakland right now. Yeah, Kamala Harris. Starting yeah. kicking off her. Um, I'm pushing for her. Yeah. I'm hoping for her because I feel like she is strong enough to carry people. Uh, our, I guess our generation, mm-hmm. and and still appeal to a bunch of really young people, yeah. which I think is where the wave will turn. And so yeah. I'm very excited for her. And as yeah. much as I like watching Elizabeth Warren chew people out, I don't think she'll carry enough folks. So I'm, I'm pushing for her. Yeah. You know, and excited. I think in the Midwest, I mean, she's very strong on law and order. There are a lot of people in court talking about like the Black Lives Matter folks right. might be against that. Right. But I'm thinking reasonable people, even black people like you and I, will say, hey, listen, we need good law enforcement. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, you're, if you do bad things, no matter what the color of your skin, you know, you got to pay the price. I think she's, you know, yeah. I, think so. I, I think she's worth considering. I, I, have, I have decided I'm taking the moratorium on all this crap. Um, I yeah. don't want to deal with it before the 4th of July, and I'm actually thinking about pushing the date back even farther. Yeah. So who is my number one pick right now for 2020? Mm-hmm. Somebody who is not bothering me for the next six months. <laughs> right. Because we've been here for mm-hmm. almost two years. Two years. Dark now. Well... Prepare yourself for, you know, the blast and the emails and, the, um, you know, donations and all that sort of stuff. All right. That's it for current events. <laughs> Cynthia Lovitzinski, why don't you tell us, uh, I know you don't want to talk about yourself. Usually we do an origin story or whatever. If you want to tell us, because I'm interested in, because you're not just a director, no. but I'd love to know, you know, sort of how you began, how you, you know, why Me? theater. Oh, absolutely. Um, I did, I started in theater when I was six years old. I went out as an audition. Born and raised here? I was born and raised in San Jose, California. All right. I was born in El Camino Hospital. Um, and I started uh, dancing when I was three, and I started doing musicals when I was six, and I auditioned for a very young company at the time called the San Jose Children's Musical Theater Company, mm-hmm. which was founded by John P. Healy, who has passed away since then, but um, it was a phenomenal young man who started that company, and I got in singing Happy Birthday, I think, and did a musical, and, and then uh, did a lot of dancing and competitions and different things, and did acting in middle school. I got to play Emily in Our Town, which to this day I still say was the last nice girl I ever played, <laughs> and um, and did that and went through high school and did a lot of musicals in the same director, came back and did our high school musical, so we had phenomenal productions by a professional cool. director, that was cool. And then I went to college um, at UC Santa Cruz, and I have two degrees there, I have a bachelor's in acting and playwriting, and I have a post-baccalaureate in directing, so I have a graduate-level study degree in that. Wow. Yeah. Now, why... Why did you pursue, I mean, there are a lot of people who get into, let's say, high school musicals and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but you really wanted to pursue this as a career. Yes. Why, um, what's the reason? I mean, what does it mean to you? Um, what's interesting to me is that from the time I was six and then continuing on through middle school is that it's the only, it's the only goal, and I only have three goals in life, and it, being in theater and pursuing that as a career was one of my only, th- one of my three goals in life. Mm-hmm. And, um... And it's just, it's the only thing that makes me happy, really. I mean, besides yeah. my family and whatnot, it, it's really the one thing that's always made me happy and made me um, connected to things. And it's a place where I feel like everything that I have any belief that I have talent in comes to life. Yeah. And um, it allows me to participate in a lot of things that help me connect to others. And I really love that sense. And um I don't know. It's just been the one place that I know that I feel centered. And and the the biggest concern for me, uh, working with my own children, is feeling that they don't have a sense of that. 
So from the time I was in middle school, I knew I had this goal. Here's what it takes to get there. I got to get through middle school. I got to get into college. Here's the college prep classes I got to take because once I get there, mm -hmm. I'll be allowed to do what I want. Mm -hmm. And this is what I want. Yeah. And this is why I get up in the morning. This is why when I'm depressed as a teenager, I just push through it and keep going. Yeah. And I look at my son until recently. He didn't have something like that. Mm -hmm. And it really broke my heart. And I work mm -hmm. with a lot of kids. And I just, I don't understand. You don't have a passion for anything. I don't care what it is. You want to be a pastor? I don't care. Makes room for that. Yeah, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, but what, what is, what's his passion? Um, he's decided to connect with uh, my husband's side of things, and he wants to work in computer science and programming. Okay. And I'm like, I don't care yeah. what it is, you know. Yeah, right. As long as it inspires you enough mm -hmm. to get up and go do what needs to be done. Right. And I just, I literally, when I, I work as a hairstylist now, and I, I'm brokenhearted when I get high schoolers in, and they say, oh, I don't know what I want to study. I don't know what I want to do. Right, yeah. And I said, really, just throw a dart in the wall. Pick anything. Right. I, don't, I don't care if it's rational. Mm -hmm. My degrees aren't rational. Mm -hmm. They mean nothing when it comes to getting a job. Yeah. I said, so I don't care, but just pick anything and tell me what it is. They're like, oh, yeah. I don't know. Like, how do you get up in the morning? How do you even exist? I'm going to ask you, Norman, because you deal with kids a lot, especially yeah. whether it be each one, reach one. I or teaching yeah. at, um, Richmond uh, East Bay Center for the Performing Arts. We start Thursday. Yeah. Do you run into these kids who are sort of, I'm not going to say aimless, but. Well, not well, they there. Just not at the center. Something. Not yeah. at the center. Uh, what, the thing. Those I used to worry yeah. about teaching. I didn't want to teach theater because, honestly, if you want to do theater, you just do it. Mm -hmm. um, but so I didn't want to feel like I had to push somebody in that direction. And that's partly what I think a teacher's job is, is to kind of push a little bit. But I, and so then when I got into it, it was realizing all the skills that you gain through any kind of training are, are useful skills. So as a teacher, now I will push you. I'm not pushing you to Broadway. I'm pushing you just to gain these skills because in your other classes, they will be good for you. In your life, they will be good for you. Yes. You will look at yourself in a different way than you do now. Yes. And those are all worthwhile things to aspire to. So I'm thrilled with that. Um, no, I, I think it's great. I spent many years working in high tech after college mm -hmm. with my, what I used to call in air quotations, my fancy degree right. in Ooh. theater. Right. And uh, I'd sit in these meetings with all these engineers, and they'd say, oh, my gosh, your degree's in theater. What are you doing here at Sun Microsystems? <laughs> and I would say, I'm eating. What are you Getting doing? Paid. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. What yeah. are you doing? And they said, oh, I guess I'm eating, too. I said, that's right, you are, because you probably wanted to be in a think tank somewhere mm -hmm. designing mm -hmm. space rockets, but here we are. Let's get this storage device out the door, you know? Right. And so um, I just felt like, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter that my degree is in theater. I'm, I have right. all these skill sets to organize things and get people on task and do all this work. And if they'd had a degree at the time in program management, I would have done it mm -hmm. and been happy because it fits so well with what I did in theater. Right. So uh, I felt like uh, I'm like a poster child for taking something that seems meaningless and worthless, at least to my parents, mm -hmm. and coming out and going to work and making more money than my dad did with this useless degree, uh, so yeah, they, there you they go. backed off quick, and they said that was fine, so now they're more on board of like, yeah, study whatever you want, oh, it'll work out, mm -hmm. cool. and yeah, it does. I, I think there are two things. One is having the kids, just giving them something to do yes. is fantastic, because otherwise they really would sit, uh, these days they would just sit on social yeah. media, yeah. but um, even before, they would have sat around board, and in Richmond, a city like that, that means those kids would have been targeted yes. for trouble. They because you hang out with your friends, you're bored, let's climb up on that, and where I grew up, no big deal, hopefully nobody got hurt, but that was the end of it. If a cop happened to come by, the no, most we would get is some little scolding, or they would drive you home. That's <laughs> where I grew up. 
in Richmond, yeah, up until recently, that wasn't happening. So we give these kids some place to be. Yeah. I've been there over five years now. It's great to see the young adults mm-hmm. come back. Yeah. And you ask them, are you doing theater? Are you still playing music? Are you doing whatever? And most of them aren't, which I know when I ask the question, most of them aren't. Yeah. But they are so focused. Yeah. And so heading so, and the ones who haven't quite figured out what they want to do, they're so hungry and they're so used to doing a full day of school and then coming to the center for at least a couple of nights a week, mm-hmm. and you know after evening, early evening, late afternoon, and doing two or three hours, they're used to that now. So when they get out as young adults to think about what they want to do in the world, they have no problem just committing the energy to checking something out. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> you know it's interesting, although I don't have kids. One of the first things, it's an abstract question, but you have to know who you are. What are you? And who are you? And I'm sure as teenagers, it's difficult. You don't know. So if you don't know who you are or what you're about, it's hard to determine what you're going to do. Um, and, you know, if you're 18, maybe you don't know what to do. Or maybe you, th- you think you knew what you are going to do at 18 years old. Well, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. But that always changes. So... I still hope for, you know, your son and even Dexter. You know, I'm not even sure if he knows what he wants to do. Architecture is really catching his attention right now. (laughs) Architecture. He did an internship in the spring, and because of it, his little team won. uh, There was an award thing. They do presentation at the end. There was an award for the best Mm -hmm. presentation. His team won. Mm -hmm. And that got him excited. So he keeps looking in the backyard and saying, so, Mom, it would cost this much to put in a little house in the backyard. Why aren't you doing it? When are you going to – not why aren't – when are you going to do it? And she does that old person thing of just sort of breathing. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. First, we've got to paint the other room. And you could see him just sort of nuts. Like, what, what because he promised to paint. This is his room that he promised no, to paint. paint. They they did it already. No, no, she's, she's on this kick now. We just redid his room. Mm-hmm. That's still finishing. Like, he needs new furniture now. Of course, you can't paint a room and not get new furniture. <laughs> so they're about to do that. But then, no, there are other rooms that uh, need some attention, that she wants to give attention. Mm-hmm. We've got a beautiful new window on the front. Oh, yeah. Um, so she's on that mode. And honestly... If we get to the point where we could think about something like that, it's two or three years down the road. At that point, he'll be in college. So I'm like, I just listen to the answer, and I know all that information, and I know he doesn't know, and I just watch his expression as he kind of goes, well, now, why not now? Yeah, you're going to learn about life. It's called delayed gratification. So he can make that a lovely school assignment when he's in college. Here's the cottage I'm going to build. I will build you, mother. Here's the design. I did this in class. What do you think? Exactly. It's not so much a she shed as a she, you know, fantastical Mm -hmm. place. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there you go. Well, and that's the great thing about it is, yeah, then he can actually come in with a budget. And a design. And he can get that little wake-up call, too. Oh, yeah, we hear what you're saying. We're not... You want to spend seventy thousand? We're talking maybe forty, forty-five thousand. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, too, as I'm sure in architecture, as it is in theater, the best way to learn uh, to be the final craftsman is to learn every step of the way. Yep. I met a film guy back in college. They were shooting a film at the hotel I worked at, and I was talking to him about getting into film directing, and he said, "Well, 
you want to get into film directing, you come see me in L.A. You will start as a person who holds the microphone. Right. Boom, right. And then you're going to start over here, and then I'm going to put you over here, and I'm going to put you through every single element mm-hmm. of making film. Right. And at the end of it, I'm going to give you $10,000. You're going to make a film and go to Sundance. He's just mapping out the whole thing. Right. And he said, that's how you do it. And I'm sure it's not that different in architecture either. He's got to learn how to lay a foundation. He's got to mm-hmm. learn how to put in rebar. He's got to learn the whole thing. Yeah. I love architecture. Yeah. But it's so much math. Is he good at math? He's, he's really good at math, um, but I think even more than that, it's all the, like, regulations and stuff. It's fine to think about that dream house. How, what, where can you put it? How, what do you have to do? What, what hoops do you have to And working with DDI, the Department of Building Inspection, yeah. working at the DA's office, we dealt with cases for folks who didn't go through DDI. Oh, regular. That's for <laughs> all, especially San Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco. But, yeah. But as you were talking, I, it reminded me of when I went to school at NYU. I did a lot of, um, not interning, but basically I worked a lot of off, off, off-Broadway shows just sure. as a stage manager and doing lights and sounds, seeing good productions, Bad productions yep. mm-hmm. and seeing how theater works. Yes. You also dealt. You also dabbled in journalism, radio journalism too. Yes, right? I. Um, I have. A, I did have a radio license uh, in college. Mm-hmm. We had a radio station KZSC in Santa Cruz, and um, we. I had many radio shows. I had. Uh, a morning show called Cellos and Donuts where I played all classical music and operas and that was actually 6 a.m. to Sunday and I was very good at picking the longest opera possible and running that one disc. Mm-hmm. You know, we still uh-huh. had we still had vinyl. Right. So, you know, which one? Oh, Marriage of Figaro, that's nice and long. You know, run right. that through while I still yeah. take a nap here at the at the station. Hopefully and I, the needle doesn't jump. Hopefully it doesn't jump and people would call in and, you know, correct my mispronunciation of different, oh. you know, oh. well, well, you know they're, listening. <laughs> they're listening and I'd say, I'm I'm sorry, did you want to come co-host? Because I'm more than happy to have mm-hmm. you join me at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. Um, but, yeah, I had several radio shows. I really loved it. And uh, it's um, still one of my favorite mediums, and I get a big kick out of it. I have no idea how you get back into radio these days because mm-hmm. now it's so different. Oh, it's, it's all on a computer, I suppose, and it's not physical dials and pots. And, yeah, I don't know. But There's a guy who, and I guess he's in L.A. Mm-hmm. doing his show when he does it live. But now the big thing on AM radio is they just rebroadcast yes. all this crap. And so I turned off the radio on my way in. I went to the city this morning. On my way into the city, I turned off the radio because I'd already heard this twice. Twice. And I was like, did I hear it the first day? Because I definitely have heard it two days since. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to hear this again. Plus, with the news cycle the way it is now, something that, oh, there was one show where it was Friday morning when they were talking. Before the end of the shutdown was was announced. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're going on and on about the shutdown, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, 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 exactly. It's all news. It's all news, yeah. Uh, well, since I, it seems to me like shutting down the airport is what helped trigger that final change. Yes. My theory is now we just need to go run protests at airports in case they ever do it again, and we'll just shut it down ourselves right. at the mm-hmm. airport level, and then yeah. that'll drive it back into being functional yeah, again. Yeah, and yeah, there you go. No, LaGuardia. <laughs> yay, LaGuardia. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't LaGuardia, it was the FAA. FAA, said, that's right. There are not enough air traffic controllers showing up today. Air traffic controllers. We cannot function without them. And I I went back and I was asking a friend of mine who's a lawyer, and I said, when we swear to take an office, the president or the Congress or Senate, I said, what does that oath entail exactly? Can you go look that up? Is there nothing in there about first do no harm to the citizens who put you here? And she said, no, they don't say that because how would we go to war? Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, you're right. Right. I 
said, because it seems to me like there should be something in those oaths that we could pull up and say, I'm sorry, right. treasonous, you can't shut down the government. Right. Exactly. On, on just on a whim. Like, right. yes, clocks run out on budget debates, fine, right. that, mm-hmm. that's a thing, but you can't just whimsically say, well, I want to shut it down. Yeah. Or unexpected expenses come up, and you don't want people just spending all that money without you signing off on it, so yeah. then you've got to shut down. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's amazing, the callousness. I, I know we're jumping back into politics, <laughs> but, yes. but the, the callousness of Trump, I mean, basically telling people, well, you know, talk to your grocers, you know, they'll work a deal with you, I'm like, or talk to your landlord. Well, this, like, are you crazy? This goes back... Just get along. Just get along. Yeah. This goes back to the phenomena of what I, I yet I, I still don't understand, and I guess it's based on fantasy. You've got someone who won the hearts and minds of a bunch of people that he has never experienced a moment exactly. of their existence, exactly. and yet they look at him and they say, uh, "You're on my side." Right. And I think this is the man who ha- has shown you throughout his whole entire life he is very much not on your side. Mm-hmm. Has no idea you exist. Yeah. Has no idea what your life is like or how hard it is, and, and yet. Somehow managed, and this is where I get concerned when I, I debate this a lot with some friends of mine. I say, my concern is, how do we bridge this gap? How do we come back? Let's assume he's gone and we get someone else in there. Well, now you've exposed this big portion of the population that apparently has a lot of simmering fear and yeah. hatred yeah. and yeah. things that I thought were getting, now maybe I just thought it was getting better because we live in California and everyone's mm-hmm. a hippie like I am, but no. And so apparently, and so my big question these days is, Okay, so how did Germany recover? How do we recover? How do we right. go back and look at these folks? How do we assuage their fear? How do we re-educate them? How do we teach well, them? And, like, no, people Germany, are good, and mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it. I was in Germany in 1980, and um, and the German people are wonderful. I yeah. mean, the people I met were fantastic. And really, is this open. West Germany? West. This was yeah. I guess the back then yeah. it was West Germany. Still yeah. West, yeah. Yeah, uh, but. Um, what was amazing to me was a sort of, not fatalism isn't quite the right word, but this sort of n- l- negative future vision, mm. like it really was do no harm. Right. Whatever we do what, as a people, whatever we do going forward, we don't ever want to revisit that. Right. That was bad. And that you got that, I got that vibe off of so many people. Not only do we not want to do it, but that's how Germany ended up with Hitler, mm-hmm. is because they came out of one, World War One with yeah. that sort of weird feeling, and he just come and said, "Come on, we're great. We're great people," mm-hmm. and they wanted to hear that. And I think yes. that is a big part of it. I think a big part of what it looks to me like the Democratic Party is in danger of leaping over again is this huge amount of people who feel left out, yep. disenfranchised, mm-hmm. ignored, taken advantage of, and if nobody is talking to them. He was. He was willing to talk to them. Yeah. And somebody else will recognize that and jump in. Yeah. Yeah. Also think about Reagan. I mean, when I compared Trump, there was an era in the 80s where it just seems like the Republican Party was at its height. They, you know, like yeah, in, in music, they call it the, what is the, the, the legacy when an artist reaches their imperial period. Oh. Where they can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. Like they say Lady, Lady Gaga or Beyonce's in there. And the Republican Party was in their imperial period. Mm-hmm. But I think you had the excess. You had yes. the, all of a sudden, after Reagan, <coughs> excuse me, won his won his second mm-hmm. election. Um, yeah. Then, all of a sudden, the controversy started hitting Iran-Contra mm-hmm. and all of yeah. the other stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes. you know, Wall Street came out, you know, Gordon Gekko, greed is good. Oh, the ridiculous Cold War. Yeah, yeah. Yes. The Cold War. Yes. yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, to divert. So, yeah. you've, got yes. a, you've got a long history of the Republican Party, you know, kowtowing and, and bending down to support their backers and their big money mm-hmm. and what they're made of now. And so 
I think the, the only positive I can, I can possibly say right now at this particular time about our politics is that Trump has made me appreciate the Bush family, of all people, because they stood up against him. Yeah. And up to that point, yeah. I mostly did not have much, uh, huge respect for them. They didn't, mm-hmm. I was a little scared of the dad, and the son I thought was kind of a dope, and, um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't horrified to be an American. Right. And, uh, and then to watch them stand up, I said, oh, maybe this will make a difference. And I thought when the, liter- the living king and queen of your party stand up right. and they say, no, not that person, yeah. and no one listens, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> We're really messed up yeah. now. But, but I, I really do hope funny. that Trump makes so many mistakes that people will say never, never, never again. I mean, you know, like I don't know what we'll take. We'll see. I think. Go ahead. Go. I was going to say we could get off this, but my my concern at this point, I've I've literally said he would have to be doing something so horrible on the White House lawn before Mm -hmm. some of these people will back off. Yeah. Like slitting an animal's throat. I mean, it'd have to be something so bad. I remember on his campaign, he said, "Hey, I can shoot somebody in the middle of the street, and people will still vote for me." That's right. That's what scares me. This kind of gets us back to theater because it's it's ridiculous to say. I hope this will never happen. I hope it will never happen again. But to not look at the reality, if somebody knows how to use the media, if yes. somebody knows how to put the correct optics out there, mm-hmm. people are going to go for it. They're going to be, wow, you know. Oh, he looked better than she did in that. Mm-hmm. I don't care how he looks, but right. it's the same. Right, exactly. What was your first time on stage your, uh, after post uh, Post college, um, after college, and I finished my graduate work in directing. I was focused more nice. on directing mm-hmm. at the time, but I was a newlywed uh, back in '94, and I graduated in '93 with my graduate work. And I discovered very quickly that being a newlywed, and um, we bought our first home very soon after we got married, and that doubled everything expense-wise. And right. my income had not doubled along with it, so it was very difficult to get up, go to work. And then I did line up some directing gigs, or at least, uh, yeah, some directing gigs. And then you wind up going straight from work, straight to the rehearsal. Yeah. You don't get home till 11 o'clock at night. And then you get up at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. and you go do it again. And so I figured out pretty fast in the first couple of years that if I wanted to stay married, something had to wait. Mm-hmm. And so I chose uh, to focus on what I call the three M's, marriage, mortgage, and making babies. So I did that for you know, 13, 14 years, and then I finally got to come back to theater. So the first thing I got to do coming back to it after my break was um, I did a Moon Over Buffalo at mm-hmm. Chanticleers, which is a little community theater up in, Hay- in uh, Castro Valley. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a really cute little place, and they cast me, and they cast me as the daughter in that play, which was funny. And I, I kept telling the director when he called to cast me, I said, you, you do know that headshot I gave you is, you know, 20 years old, right? He's mm-hmm. like, no, no, I remember what you look like. I'm like, are you sure? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <I'm> very honest. <laughs> I said, that is not maybe an accurate reflection. He's like, no, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, whatever. And I had a ball. And ever since that point about, oh, my God, I guess nine years ago now, oh. Um, I've been doing shows and back mm-hmm. into it. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. great. Moonlight Over Buffalo, Ken Ludwig, such an exciting play oh, uh-huh. and so wonderfully crafted mm-hmm. that I literally went back through my entire library of mm-hmm. work from school and I thought, did they not do just this man? I'm like, how, how did I not know this playwright? And it's because he started producing after I graduated. Right. So, yeah, very nice, very yeah, nice. Vintage. <laughs> so he's contemporary. Yeah. And he, he missed my educational. You, you know, know he, you and I shared the stage. Didn't mean to cut you off. We'll just get about 
our teeth at the Devil's Morrison Theater. And uh, we had a wonderful time. You were fantastic. And Mrs. Antrobus. But we also did Ideal Husband, didn't we? Not me. Um, oh, no, yeah, no, Scott Munson. As a matter of fact, Scott has been a, a guest on here as well. He, Scott's fantastic. And he uh, wrote an adaptation of Ideal Husband. And I think you were in that. Yes, I was. Oh, okay, I just yes. I into the reading of that. Oh, that's why. Yeah, that's right. I was thinking, like, <laughs> who am I getting this mixed up? I'm sure. Yeah. I know there was another guy who was a black butler. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember. But uh, how, did, how did you get involved in with that? And how did Because I think that may have been your first time working with um, Susan Evans. Right. So um, I got involved there, uh, a long, long chain of events with Craig Souza. So Craig had cast mm-hmm. me. He was starting directing. He was doing a, a little Twilight Zone episode up at uh, The Dark Room. The Dark Room. Yeah, The right. Dark Room, right? And yeah. Scott Munson wrote this uh, rehashing of a really fun Twilight Zone episode, and they put me in it, so I got to do that. And then they were doing the reading for Ideal Husband, mm-hmm. and um, I really wanted to get into Douglas Morrison because it's 20 miles or so to my house. It's Very a close cool. theater. It's a beautiful theater. Yeah, it is. And I really love it there. And so... Um, Kind of through that reading and getting into that, I was cast as the lady in uh, The Woman in Black, the ghost in The Woman in Black. Mm-hmm. Um, is that the right name? And so that was directed by, um, oh God, I've forgotten her name. She's wonderful. She works at Contra Costa Civic Theater Company. Oh. Uh, Marilyn Langdon. Langdon? Yes, something yes. like that. Mm-hmm. And she's phenomenal. So I got to do that, and I got to sit on stage as a ghost just wishing I could get cast in something real here, because here <laughs> I am. And then uh, Ideal Husband came along, and I, I kind of clawed my way into that show, which was great. And I think Scott had to speak up for me a little bit. But whatever, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you did a fantastic job. job. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's right. So then, yes, and so then um, Susan called me back to come out for uh, Skin of Our Teeth, and we had a we had a different director for that, didn't we? And then she had to drop out. Is that what happened? I and then Susan took over. That is right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was funny is that I was really trying to get the maid in Skin of Our Teeth because she seemed kind of fun and outrageous. Yeah. But then she cast me as Mrs. Antrobus, and I thought, oh, I guess that's where I am now. I'm going to start playing the mother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, like, I'm not playing hot, sexy maid anymore. I'm going to be the mother. We <laughs> so had, um, we had a, a good friend of mine, Carolyn Doyle, she talked about the transition between being an actress, a young actress, and being an older actress, yes. and how that affects, you know, even the psychology of it. I should have mentioned that. Um, I, I, um, I did go to Playground this week, and no. so Carolyn was in. Carolyn Doyle! Oh, my gosh. She played, so it was uh, the I'm theme. So, I'm so happy she's, she's still getting involved. Go ahead. Well, the theme is, uh, was fairy tales. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so she was the fairy godmother visiting Cinderella, who is now turning 30. And, and having that little crisis. Oh, great. And she is the ditzy fairy godmother, and they had technical problems. You, I did not know they were having technical. There were a couple of moments where I thought that might have been a technical problem, but the actors on stage, and particularly her, was having so much fun. And then there was something where she was waiting for a cue. She's, like, waving this wand. <laughs> And it's not happening, and she does it again and does it again. It was, and so after it finally happened, and the moment was, you know, the next beat sort of finishes, mm-hmm. she just waves it one more time. The audience just cracked it. Oh, how fun, how fun. Yes. One of the cool things about doing the yay, I don't realize when I bring guests on, 
how people are interconnected. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no idea that you were involved in the darkroom. And yes. I talked yesterday with Sherilyn Connolly, who oh. has been a regular at the darkroom, and she's going to be a guest on the Yay. Yay. So Yeah, you'd be surprised. I'm surprised when I go through, I see someone's post on Facebook, and I realize that some college theater friend of mine mm-hmm. is friends with some completely random theater person in the Bay Area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're all connected, not through me, right. just on their own. And, um, and I always laugh because I'm like, the triangulation of people that I find are, are friends with each other, and I had no clue. And it makes me very happy, especially having been out of it for a little while, and then to come back in and be like, yeah. oh, look. It's the tapestry of theaters, tapestry of Bay Area theaters. It's wonderful. Yeah. I know I needed, I needed that time because when I got out of school, I really wanted nothing to do with any of those people. Almost, mm. almost all of them I wanted nothing to do with. And give it a decade or so, and suddenly I'm bumping into people, right. or I've been hearing people's names, like uh, Sean Owens is an amazing performer and writer mm-hmm. Bay Area, and uh, he's found a little spot with Killing My Lobster now. Oh, oh nice. With one of the writers and, and really helping to shape the way, the direction of the company right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that is so exciting and so cool. And I would have been, I would have been, would have expected that. I would not have been surprised coming out of college to see that trajectory. Mm-hmm. But you get out in those first few years, you're all just flailing. <laughs> so it really is sort of get away from me. I'm trying to go towards someplace mm-hmm. where I can where I can find a spot. Don't hang on me. Don't follow me. Right. And then, yeah, you spend some time out there and then you come back together and kind of go, oh, I'm, I'm not afraid of you anymore. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. I, and you're fantastic. I would love to see and work with you. So mm-hmm. it's great that we've Reconnected. Yeah, very, very nice. So talk to us about the, uh, the, this, um, the reading. So this um, reading down at Tan Hall is a play called Boy by mm-hmm. Anna Ziegler. And it's a one act. It premiered in New York City back in 2016, oddly enough, with an actor that I worked with in Santa Cruz. Wow. And I saw his name in there, and I had to do some research to see, is that really the Paul I worked mm-hmm. with back then? And Gee, should I send him a note, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So it's inspired by a true story, and it's, it's the true story is quite sad, whereas the play itself mm-hmm. does not come off as terribly sad. It's a young boy who, at the age of six months or so, has a, um, this is going to be uncomfortable for two gentlemen sitting with me, a botched mm-hmm. circumcision mm-hmm. to the okay. point where he his, he's really, really wounded severely. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to work. It, whatever was yeah. left behind okay. was this something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, so the parents are distraught. They don't know what to do, and they meet up with a psychologist who says, well, that's okay. We'll just make him a girl. And they literally, uh, in the true story, um, uh, they literally go through and, and surgically alter him to be more kind of like a girl, and they give him hormones as a teenager, and they raise him as a little girl. He has mm-hmm. a twin brother, and they both have to keep meeting the psychologist to make sure that they're still on track. Uh, and eventually they grow up, and the boy um, that had been raised as a girl, he rejects it as a teenager, and, and he learns the truth, mm-hmm. and he, he stopped taking his harm when he goes back to being a boy. Mm-hmm. He completes his adult life as a man, mm-hmm. and but in his 30s, he's so overwrought by depression his whole life, he mm-hmm. kills himself. Mm-hmm. And it's a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is David Reimer, the doctor is Dr. John Money, and uh, it's, it's all true. But this particular um, play that she wrote, uh, it goes back and forth in time. So you see an actor who's working as a young adult, meeting a woman, falling in love, and then you also see him as a young child, as a, wo- as a girl, trying to be wow. raised as a girl, meeting wow. with the psychologist mm-hmm. and what that relationship is like. Mm-hmm. And then with his parents as well, ha- what they're trying to do, because they know all this time mm-hmm. what they're 
doing, but they don't understand, is it bad, is it good? Mm-hmm. They're just doing the best they can because they have to recover this tragedy and make it a life. And, yeah. and so it's a really, um, it, it kind of it revolves up into this more uplifting thing than you could possibly imagine, given the truth of what happened to these poor folks yeah. in their real life. Mm-hmm. But it's really well-crafted, and I think it'll be very interesting to see. I've got Craig Souza in it. Rock on. Um, yeah, and uh, Alan Coyne. I don't know if you work with Alan. Oh, yeah, Alan was the skin of our teeth, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Adrian Dean mm-hmm. and Craig Eichner. And uh, who's my last one? There should be five of us. I've got one more in there who's escaping me right now. Mm-hmm. So we start tonight. We do two rehearsals, then we do a stage reading on Monday, February 4th. Wow, that is powerful. And it sounds like, obviously it deals with gender identity, yes. but it sounds like the real story. They dealt with this stuff before it became a thing. Yes. Something that we yeah. have talked about. He was born in, the, the actual young man was born in 19, my year, 1968. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he died in his 30s. So, um, yeah, it's all true, and so the play spans from 68 to about 1990, I think, mm-hmm. is the timeline mm-hmm. she covers. But, yeah, it's it's going to be very, very interesting to, to hear it. All I've done is read it, so it'll be a lot yeah. of fun to hear it come alive. And Alan's going to play the young man because when Susan asked me, she's like, who do you think could play the young man? I said, well, Alan can play anything, and I've seen him play women and men. And I said, and I think he will play that believably as a young female without uh, mocking it or making it feel strange. And we'll have a talk back afterwards as well to talk to folks, because I think it will bring up a lot of interesting... Because when we talk about gender identity, when we first started talking about this, we were talking about reassigning children who are, you know, maybe hermaphrodites or whatever, and having to pick a gender at a young age, and what does that happen? And it's about nurture versus nature, and some of these gentlemen, like Dr. John Money, thought they had that dialed in, Mm -hmm. that it's all nurture. You know, it doesn't matter, and we can just dictate what you're going to be, mm-hmm. and we can just force that upon you. And I think we've learned over time that that's not how it works. That internally, something, your truth is different internally, and what you want it to be and what it needs to be doesn't always get reflected in the physical. So. Yeah, you know, the first thing that I thought when you were telling the story is like, wow, does this child have a choice? Mm-hmm. He didn't. What's going on? Baby, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, he didn't have a choice until later, and then he made a choice, which yeah. is kind of what makes it interesting. Now, will this be developed into a full-length play? I mean, is this like step one, two, or do you really know? I don't know. What, I asked Susan that, and she wasn't so sure just yet. Okay. I think because it's short, it's only really a long one act. Okay. I think that kind of um, makes it a little bit interesting to fit it into her season. And so I, I think maybe, I, I'm not sure, I'm not an artistic director, but sure. it's different than putting up a normal two-act, and now I've got 90 minutes of entertainment and a nice intermission, but instead I have like kind of a 65-minute thing. And so, um, But I do see a lot of theaters kind of shifting focus away from the traditional two-hour experience yeah, yeah. into, I just went to Shotgun, and nope, sorry, you're just going to be sitting here. Yeah. And, you know, and that's going to be it, and it's going to be a long single experience, not really a two-hour thing, not a yeah. thing to give you an intermission, and, and here we go. And I think that's great. So mm-hmm. I, I think it, I don't know how it, maybe she's just going to see what she thinks about it once we get it up on the stage. Yeah, it sounds like maybe they want to hear what the audience or what the feedback right. will be to see if there is interest, and then that can take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know what the audience is like in mm-hmm. Lafayette. I don't know what kind of things they yeah. lean to in that theater. Um, I don't know. I, I don't feel like it's, it's very, very interesting. Theater, yeah, so. they do yeah. a lot of good work. So, um, yeah, I enjoyed my time there. You know, my brief time I did a Civil War Christmas there, oh, and yeah. knowing Susan Evans, she's always going to bring up controversial and yes. you know, but needed things we need to hear. So that's fantastic. Yeah. Something that we talked about off mic 
um, about getting into directing because you know you had mentioned yes. you had been acting for a long time and it's hard to get become a director. No, and I just thought about this. You've been a career director here in the Bay Area for oh. a long, long time. Oh, yes. this is a good question. So I was telling, I was telling Reg, I said, yeah, you know. Um, people ask me about directing versus, versus acting, and I say, well, I tend to use acting to help me get directing gigs. Mm-hmm. I said, because they'll let any schmuck audition. But, you know, as far as giving you a production and saying, here, Cindy, let's let you do this, that's mm-hmm. another that's another story. You know, that's not mm-hmm. something I just throw out the window at people. So I use acting to get to know a theater company, see if I like them, and then I start bringing up my directing experience. And I say, well, I have a technical resume and in case you are open to looking at new directors. and Because in school... They were very good about teaching us how to audition. Right. Here's how you go in. You right. slate your name, and we're going to do this, and now you give your piece, and thank right. you, and goodbye. And, but they didn't teach me how to get directing gigs. Mm-hmm. They did not advise me on that, and maybe I just didn't even think to ask. But there was no class on yeah. that. So, right. So how, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? <laughs> I've got a few co- – I've, I've developed a well, little – I'd say I would never put it that way, and it's funny because I, a few years ago, put together a directing resume. I hadn't had one. Or – Actually, it's not true because I saw re- recently I saw the original directing resume that I put together, and I was like, "Oh, that so doesn't work." Because I've done a number of other projects since then, and I had to reconfigure. But at that time, I was just trying to pad out. Mm-hmm. It's you know part of it. I think part of it is you find the opportunity. Um, I started in college taking a directing class, just the beginning basics of directing, and I don't know that I ever had another class that specifically focused on directing, but I always watched really good directors. Mm-hmm. And then doing, you know, the sort of small things I do, like each one, reach one, where you really do have to sort of put your directing hat on. This 15-year-old is not going to know how to shape this scene, and we've got this 45-minute rehearsal period <laughs> to, make it to make it happen. So, And my actors are doing what actors do. They're indulging and they're exploring, and that's all fine, but somebody needs to kind of herd those cats mm-hmm. and say, so that moment that you want to have, have that big moment while the other person is talking so that when it's time for your line, we've seen you, instead of you letting that person finish... No, I'm going to act. No, no, no. They're talking. You're doing all that now so that when they finish speaking, you can just come right in. Right. You know, just simple stuff like that. And then I don't know. The rest of it. Yeah. When I think about, um, like, Susan Evans, I think about uh, even you. I mean, and even Richard Harder at the Off-Broadway West. Mm -hmm. They basically created companies for themselves. Mm -hmm. So they were a part of a repertory company where – being a part of the company, they actually got a chance to direct right. and to sort of build up their resume. That's definitely more my, my trajectory. Yeah, because, you know, Oakland Public Theater, that gave you the opportunity to... Well, I was doing with African American Shakespeare Company, I was mm-hmm. doing stuff. And again, oh, I worked with Peter. Hmm? Oh, before Peter would even deign to step through the door. Oh, before yeah. that. Yeah, no, the beginning <laughs> of the company. Okay, good. Um, and then... I realized, wow, I'm bringing, and I've been doing it in college also. I ended up being a TA for a class that was a production class. Um, so, and it was weird. I actually got more experience doing that, sort of the production side of things, without directing. And then I, I kept saying, well, I'll be your assistant director because you need somebody else in the room and somebody to run around and do stuff, and yep. they'll just call me the assistant. But that meant I was sitting at the table and making suggestions and making offers because that's one of the first things I learned as a real director was, designers come to you and they say, well, I'm watching this and I'm thinking it should be like that. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yes, I can make the adjustment with the actors and you're going to give me this fantastic line, you know, light or sound or whatever. You're going to create the set that allows for this to happen. I, 
I couldn't come up with all that. Not my job. Right. Um, but I started learning, wow, so no, if I really work on what I'm doing and I understand what my resources are, these other artists will come in and start to create yes. stuff. So once Oakland Public Theater started, then yeah, I jumped in and even then I hired directors for the first couple of years and then I finally was like, okay, I think I've earned it now. Yeah. This is going to be mine. <laughs> Yeah, once you've you earned the respect of actors, you know, I think you have to have actors because yeah. I think another job of the director is to bring in people who can yes. trust you. Like, you can right. go to Craig Souza and yes. Alan Coyne and say, hey, I'm directing something. They're like, hey, I want to work with you. Right. Yeah, and that right. actually is what we did. And Gretchen is our last actor. She's going to play the mother. And she and I met because we compete what, for the same the, role. What's, what's her last name? I may know her. I'm going to say Salazar. No, okay. Yes, it's just I don't know her Gretchen, yeah. I just know her as Gretchen because I, I mostly bump into her yeah. auditions. We're competing for well, the same three part. Three out of the four. <laughs> three out of the four. So what was funny is we sent out uh, the request to five people. They all said, yes, we'll do it, which was great. Oh, because that's lucky. Yeah. It's really lucky. And yeah. it's exactly all the people that I could think of that would be perfect to come in and do this very quick and very yeah. well. So, um, yeah, I really... Uh, real feel lucky about that and that certainly doing a stage reading is one of those ways to help maybe get into a company as a director and mm -hmm. since I've worked with Susan as an actor a number of times it's not like she doesn't know me but it's good for her to get a sense of oh well what is she, how does she talk to actors when she's on the other side of the table right. yeah. how does that work now did Susan recruit you to direct or yes. who oh awesome yeah, she, called, she reached out to me she knows I direct I, I called her before about I directed last summer uh, As You Like It at Silicon Valley Shakespeare and so I'd mentioned to her some kind of question about mm -hmm about something I had in some moment or whatever, and, and she said, oh, that's great. Yeah, and we, I'd sent her my technical resume and mm -hmm. um, all that good stuff, and I told her, I said, oh, you're at a new company. Whenever you get an opening and you want another director, please put me in your pile. Here's mm -hmm. my resume. And she gave you the call. She that's gave fantastic. me the call, which was great, and I was very excited to fit it in, and I'm acting in a show right now, so I had to kind of juggle that with the rehearsal yeah. schedule to make sure, like... Which show is this? Uh, the show I'm doing right now is at Douglas Morrison. It's All Wilderness. Right on. Eugene O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. his, his comedy, mm -hmm. which was funny to me because I read it through a few times and, and never laughed, mm -hmm. and I thought... I don't understand. There's a drunk. There's the poor spinster. There's <laughs> some, some family and a boy who almost gets hooked up with a hooker. I'm like, where's the comedy? But then when you put it with people and it comes off the page, instantly it was kind of charming and funny. And I thought, oh, well, thank God, you know, because this Eugene O'Neill's comedy. Yeah. <laughs> really Are you having like, fun? It is fun. Person? It is fun. And uh, it'll, I guess it'll be the second nice girl I play because uh, I play the spinster, the mm -hmm. sister who never got married, who's in love with the poor drunk and you know, won't marry him because he's a drunk and he hooks up with bad women. You know, so mm -hmm. it's 1906. So I always, uh, the, oh, nice. the, the style of it will be um, a less cartoony version of Meet Me in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So, not quite as mm -hmm. bright. Who's the director? Uh, the director is Sharon Robinson Huff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yay. Yeah, so she should be great. I guess she was with yeah. SF Shakes and all kinds of stuff. She's very nice. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. I like to carpool to auditions if I can, mm -hmm. especially if you're going some distance, you know. And we carpooled a couple of years ago, and I got in Hamlet. Oh, great. <laughs> it was funny because we both got uh, callbacks. And she said she saw my name on the list and reached out to me. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, we hadn't talked in years. 
Mm-hmm. Which is very nice. You got the role because of you were in the carpool? She mentioned your name or something? Like that. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't come to the carpool to the, uh, to the callback. Oh, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It was also, and it's weird, because when you're going to do that, you really have to figure out, you've got to find somebody who has your energy. Yes. If you're one of those people who needs to pump yourself up on the way there, or however it is that you get yourself yeah. ready, um, a casual conversation might not be the best thing. But it did. We had a very casual conversation, and then we're able to focus it back in on theater and specifically Mm -hmm. auditioning. Mm -hmm. And then we got quiet for the last, like, ten minutes of the ride, and then we separated. We got there early, and we separated. Go warm up. Did our process, and bam. That's right on. Yes. All righty. Well, we're running into the uh, the hour mark, but I want people to, you know, if you have time, please, by all means, um, see Boy. At Town Hall Theater. It's only one night, is that one right? One night only, staged reading. reading. It's a reading. Yeah. It's yeah. A reading. Yeah. February, February the 4th. The 4th. A right. week from Monday, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we will plug. Really great cast. Yeah. Shout outs. Birthdays. Yeah, it's so funny because now people are actually responding. I've been using our little Facebook page. Oh. And people are responding. But nobody's telling me what their shows are. So uh, this week coming up, we've got, oh, wait, let me do it. I... But it's a, I always love it when you say, you know, which day is somebody's birthday. I always think that's nice. So I want to do that. Where is it? There it is. I just had a birthday. Uh, so yeah, I think we uh, pushed you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, John Angel Grant, I think his birthday was yesterday, actually. But he, uh, he's a reviewer for East Bay stuff. And I might have retired. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, his birthday, John Ritchie. Uh, who was the That's right. one of the producers on oh, Performance in Paris. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maurice Jamal, somebody I went to college with and was filmmaking, and I'm not really sure what he's doing these days. He was back in the Bay Area. I don't know if he is now. Uh, those are birthdays today. Tomorrow, Tony Alderondo. Um, I, I was going to say a young guy. He's younger than me. Um, and he's a wonderful actor who I'm hoping to pick up for a reading, hopefully next month. Uh, Michael Kelly and Phil Young's birthdays are on Monday. Um, it's like the Asian actor day or something. Oh, okay. Uh, Victoria Evans Irville is uh, somebody who I first met as Victoria Evans when she was with African American Shakespeare Company. Yeah. Uh, William Thomas Hodgson, who uh, last I heard was up in Ashland, so yeah. you know, that's doing well. Sean Lim was running the Asian American Theater Company for a few years, really brought it back to life, and then took off to like Hong Kong. Hmm. And was doing, I don't know if it was cable or radio, but he was like, dude, yeah, you. And, and I can't say the name, like Lely Lippard um, is a Bay Area theater person mm-hmm. whose birthday's coming up. Robert Henry Johnson's birthday coming up is amazing choreographer, uh, actor, writer. Pamela Ellen, who I hope will be the first lady of Oakland sometime in the future. She is wow. the partner of um, Rebecca Kaplan. Ah. Yeah. Oh, right on. Who is now uh, the chair or whatever they call it for mm-hmm. the city council. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, but I first met Pamela acting. Mm. Uh, PJ Phillips, amazing singer, dancer, performer. And then last two, Albert Hodge, who I don't really know, but we're Facebook friends. Okay. And so I looked him up. And he works with um, Beach Blanket Babylon. I'm like, oh, my God. So wow. triple threat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Michelle, last one I have is Michelle Levy. Um, Bay Area, Oakland mm-hmm. uh, actress, and she used to be involved with um, Crowded Fire, and I 
think now she just sort of freelances around. All right. right. Those are the ones I have. Birthday My birthday. Um, you took John Ritchie away. Uh, also, uh, another Ellen Knife who graduated with me in the theater department. Jocindo Parker, her birthday is uh, today. Um, on Monday, um, Jim Letchworth is his birthday. Uh, is on Monday. And I'm not sure when I uh, shared the stage with him. I'm not sure. Uh, also, on Monday, Lorna Velasco, she is a Bindlestiff uh, person. Uh, she directed me uh, in one of Jeannie Baroga's uh, play, um, Aurora. That's what it was. Which oh, is right. a, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lorna is actually in Seattle now uh, with her family. Mm-hmm. And um, on Tuesday, I don't know if you uh, know this guy, Terrence Smith. A fantastic black actor. So. I shared the stage with him on um, in... Civil War Christmas. Uh-huh. Okay. And, uh, oh, no, then I don't know him because I saw that. Yeah. And uh, Alex Murphy is also, his birthday is on Tuesday. Uh, he and I shared the stage at the Douglas Morrison Theater. We did Grey Gardens. He, uh, Gardens. Played, I saw that. He played Joseph Kennedy. Okay. And, uh, As in the father of that's the president? Right. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you know the story of Grey Gardens, it deals with the, um, the Onassis... Cousins. I'm sorry, the, uh, is it Onassis? No, it's not Onassis. It's the... Um, it's Kennedy Cousins. Yeah, the, the... It starts with a B. I can't remember it. But there are the, uh, these women who um, were... It's, they, a, it's a mother and daughter, and they um, uh, the mother uh, gets divorced from the father. He kind of cuts them off. Bouvier. Bouvier, Bouvier, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jackie. 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 Yeah. yeah, and they wind up hoarding and living with all these oh, cats, right. and their house falls apart, and right. it's just a hot mess. And... Um, <laughs> It's sort of terrifying, but it's what I describe when I, I walk into any situation that's just thoroughly enveloped in decay. I say, oh, it's very great gardens here. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Which reminds me of it. So that's it for my birthdays. Um, okay. Shows? Aquarians. I'm deep in Everyday Alice right now, so. Okay. Everyday Alice, that's with um, Yumi, uh, um, Anne. Anne, Anne, yeah. yeah. Yep. Anne and I work together at Silicon Valley Shakes. Well, and Marisa, weird. too, right? Marisa Wanda. Marisa and. Marissa Wanda. We had rehearsal yesterday, last and year. we yeah. showed up, and we were told that Marisa had called because she had car trouble. Oh, dear. And then we got, we, and we just said, well, we'll go ahead and just read through some of the scenes we're supposed to look yeah. at tonight. So we're reading, and the stage manager disappears, and she comes back and says, so, yeah, she won't be here tonight. Marisa and I uh, work together at Livermore Shakes uh-huh. quite a bit, and we teach together sometimes. Right uh, for them. So, yes, and then Anne, I know from our all-female Hamlet and stuff at Silicon Valley Shakes, oh, wow. and they're both awesome. They're both wonderful. What a small world. We, she was sitting in this, uh, was it last week or the week uh, before last? First, it was the first uh, podcast we did of the year, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Marisa Wormers. Right. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're fantastic. Great. I love them. So uh, I will, uh, the shows that I have... What, we talked about Boy, uh, Wilderness, Douglas Morse Theater. When, yes. when, when will that be up? Uh, that opens Valentine's Day on the 14th. Uh-huh. And then my next show after that is an original play out at the Pair called mm-hmm. Sojourn. And that's a science fiction show. Ooh. And that opens up, uh, I think, mid-March. And I'm very excited about that because, um, well, both of them. But that one because I feel like we're far enough along in our world where science fiction can come on stage. And it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Like, we literally yeah, understand, yeah. like, we're not that far from being in space. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we're close enough now that now we can actually put that on stage mm-hmm. with very little crap around it. And we actually are like, yeah, what is that going to be like? We can examine that and believe it's possible. Whereas we put up Shakespeare, we're like, oh, yeah, that happened in the past, whatever. But mm-hmm. we yeah. look to the future and we're like, whatever, it's not Star Trek, you know. But, right. but now you can act, we're close enough to where we can think about, well, mm-hmm. what will it, in theater as opposed to film. Right, right. So I think it's a very interesting jump and I'm very excited to do that one. It's going to be fun. 
So cool. yeah, that'll get the pair. We'll push that too. Sure, yeah. uh, also, Hunky, the role players ensemble, oh, that's, uh, that opened up January the 31st and it ends February the 10th. Our good friend Kari Moore is in that. Um, the musical Cafe Cabaret, I still want to push that. That will be a one day, February the 3rd, at the back room. That's 1984 Bonita Avenue in Berkeley. Uh, and Galatea, a new rock musical um, at the Counterpulse. I haven't, don't know about the Counterpulse Theater. In any case, that will be February the 21st through the 24th. A good friend of mine, Eliza Bovin, and Alyssa Allison, Sasha Ross, they are in the show. It's a new musical, so that will be cool. And that's it. Cynthia, did you have a good time? Yeah, that was great. I loved it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Fantastic. No, we enjoyed having you. All right. You can find the Yay on the Apple Podcast app on all iPhones and iPads. You can also find the Yay on iTunes if you if you listen to your podcast on a desktop or a laptop. Just click on iTunes, click on Store, use the search engine on the upper right-hand side, and search for the Yay. You can find us. Or any 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 podcast app that you that you use. There are lots of podcasts apps that, and I can't remember all of them. More and more. Yeah, no, I know. But search for the Yay. You'll find us. Android users, download the SoundCloud app or just go on soundcloud.com and you can find us. The EA was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Reg Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Cynthia, do you have a, uh, a Twitter side? Anything or like or that? Facebook? No, I'm low tech. <laughs> <laughs> I, only, I only worked for high tech. Yeah. I don't bring it into my world just enough. 